This is Books of Titans, the podcast dedicated to the influences of influencers. The books that have helped shape prominent inventors, business leaders, athletes, intellectuals, scientists, and others. We'll talk about what makes these books such classics and at least attempt to have an intelligent discussion about what makes them so important and influential. Hello, this is Eric Rostad coming to you right outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Today, I'm going to cover The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. This is book 19 of 52 for my 2020 reading list. This is arguably one of the great classics of 20th century United States literature. It is 95 years old, and it's a book about desire, longing, nostalgia, and then of course obscene wealth, cheating, adultery, death, and madness. There are a number of different ways to read it. For example, you could read it through the lens of relationships. You could see what money does to relationships or what, uh, how relationships may differ before and after success or in different parts of a city. You could read it through the lens of colors. So there are a lot of different colors in this book, and they keep coming up. There is a green light at the end of Daisy's dock. There is blue grass. There is a yellow car, and all these things have different meanings. You could approach it through the lens of 1920s America and the Jazz Age and sex, drugs, and craziness and parties uh, right before the Great Depression. Or you could read it as one scene depicts it where... In the lobby of the Plaza Hotel, there's a wedding going on, but in a room above, there's a wedding, there's a marriage almost being destroyed, and these things are happening at the same time, and just that tension is an incredible piece of writing, and that's just one scene. But I'm not going to, going to approach it through any of those lenses. I'm going to approach it through the lens of nostalgia. Now, before I get any further, I do want to warn that this episode is full of spoilers, and if you've not read the book and don't know the story, please just push pause and go read the book. It is so good. I read it in like four and a half hours. So average American watches four and a half hours of TV. If you just, if you're the average American, you don't do that for a day, you'll get through this book. It is incredible. I don't want to spoil the story for you. So with that in mind, I'm going to get back into it. But, but please, if you do, if you, if you don't know the book, please read it first. This book is told from the point of view of Nick Carraway, who is a neighbor of Jay Gatsby. He's enamored and appalled at times by Gatsby. Gatsby is the protagonist, so he's the main character in the book, but the book is from the point of view of, of Nick. In, in the last episode of the podcast, I covered Crime and Punishment, and I talked about how the main character, Raskolnikov, had a theory. And that theory was that he could commit one evil deed, and that would be wiped out by a, a bunch of good deeds that he would do because he did this evil deed. This evil deed would allow him to get money to then do all these good deeds. But this evil deed was, was murder. And so his theory was that he could get away with that both legally and conscious-wise, and then go on to do all these great things. And so that the book is an exploration of that theory. Well, there's another theory in The Great Gatsby. And the, the theory in The Great Gatsby is that, uh, you could call it a theory or, or a dream. Uh, in, in the book, it keeps being referred to as a dream. Gatsby has this dream where he can, he can sort of go back in time, have everyone forget what has happened in the past five years, and go back and get his sweetheart, Daisy. There's one slight problem, though, with this theory, and that is Daisy is married. Daisy has married. She's been married for five years at this point, but Gatsby just kind of hopes that 
all that can be erased and they can just start over at square one when they were in love five years ago before Daisy married this other man. So that's Gatsby's dream. That's his theory that he can do this. And the book is exploration, I guess, in one way to see if that is possible. And it, and that's why I read it through this this lens of nostalgia. He's He's got this nostalgia from five years ago of, of his time with Daisy, and he's trying to recapture that. Can he do it? So Gatsby, we see, is a, a, a wealthy man at this point in the book uh, when it's taking place, which is uh, 1922. And he's a man of dubious means, which which means no one really knows what he does or how he got his money. But he builds this enormous mansion. It's across the waterway from where Daisy lives. And he does that purposefully because he's trying to impress Daisy. He wants to, he wants to get her back. And so he throws these wild, lavish parties and people from New York come to these parties. And Gatsby doesn't really care about the parties. He, No one really ever knows who he is. He's at the parties, but he's not like the life of the party, even though he's the host. Uh, he's just kind of in the background. But these parties are, are a way to entice Daisy in a way. So Gatsby lives in this cloud of nostalgia. And he's pining for something that cannot possibly exist. As the readers were left to wonder, is there a way that he can get Daisy back? Will, will this pan out? Will his dream be fulfilled? Can he, can he quench his anguish, his nostalgia, by fulfilling his desires now? Well, let's, let's go through the book and see, see how that works out for him. Towards the beginning, we see that, he, that Gatsby gives these large parties, and the parties are described as intimate, but they're contrasted against small parties where there isn't any privacy. And it, it was an interesting way to put it, because at these large parties, no one ever gets to really know Gatsby. They, there's all these rumors about him that he may have killed somebody in the past, that uh, his money may come from perhaps illegal ways. And so no one ever really gets to know Gatsby, even though he's having these large parties and he's the host. Later on, Gatsby says, I'm trying to forget something very sad that happened to me long ago. So we, we see we see the, this, this, this anguish starting to come about. Uh, a, a, a little ways in from there, almost halfway through the book, there's an incredible section where Gatsby really talks about, he's talking to Nick and he, and he, he, he goes in deep with what he believes and how he can get Daisy back. And he goes into the, to his dream here. He wanted nothing less of Daisy than that she should go to Tom and say, I never loved you. And taking myself out of the quote for a minute here, Tom is Daisy's husband. They've been married three years. And so Gatsby wants Daisy to go to Tom, her husband, and say, I never loved you, so that then Daisy can go with Gatsby and they can live happily ever after. So let's go back into the quote. After she had obliterated three years with that sentence, they could decide upon the more practical measures to be taken. One of them was that after she was free, they were to go back to Louisville and be married from her house, just as if it were five years ago, end quote. So there we see Gatsby has this dream in his mind. He wants the, the marriage to be annulled. And for, for them to just go back and even be married where they would have been married five years ago, uh, even though he has this incredible mansion now, um, he wants it just as if it were five years ago. And Nick, the, who the book is in his point of view, Nick tells Gatsby, you can't repeat the past. And Gatsby cries out, can't repeat the past? Why, of course you can. Gatsby says, I'm going to fix everything just the way it was before. She'll see. 
And then here's Nick kind of thinking out loud. He says, he talked about the past and I gathered that he wanted to recover something, some idea of himself, perhaps, that had gone into loving Daisy. His life had been confused and disordered since then, but if he could once return to a certain starting place and go over it all slowly, he could find out what that thing was, end quote. <laughs> Isn't that a perfect description of nostalgia? He wanted to recover something, some idea of himself, perhaps, that had gone into loving Daisy. His life had been confused and disordered, and so Gatsby was trying to get, not only get Daisy, but get get back this feeling, uh, get back order out of the existing chaos. <laughs> I just thought that was such an incredible description of, of, of nostalgia. We see Gatsby uh, contrasted against one of the characters, Jordan. And Jordan is a uh, woman friend of Daisy. And we, have, we get this description of Jordan, and, and it's that she was too wise to ever carry well-forgotten dreams from age to age. So whereas Gatsby is carrying dreams from age to age, Jordan is too wise to ever carry well-forgotten dreams from age to age. So I love that contrast, and, and it really even sheds more light upon Gatsby and, and what he's going for. Uh, later on, we're, taken, we're, we're almost taken back in time uh, five years ago, and, and we get a glimpse into, into Gatsby's thinking. And he, he has been away. Uh, this is after he has had his fling with Daisy and has fallen in love. But he's away, and while he's away, Daisy gets married. Uh, Gatsby comes back. And here's the quote, and he knew that he had lost that part of it, the freshest and best forever. So Gatsby, end quote, so Gatsby knew that something had been lost, and that's what he was trying to, to get back. The very last line of the book, so we beat on boats against the current, borne back ceaselessly into the past, end quote. Actually, the, the final three or four paragraphs of the book are unbelievable, Uh worth reading it just just for the last page of the book the writing was extraordinary i uh there were multiple times where i would read a paragraph in this book and and just think how did he do that he would capture the complexity of and depths of people so concisely and it'd be a short paragraph but it, it would be so powerful and you're just thinking how in the world did he do that it was one of those books where you you get a glimpse into a different level of of writing and if you can't tell, I, I loved this book. I didn't want it to end. And that is one of my gauges for determining how much I enjoy a book. Uh, there's plenty of books where I'm just, you know, maybe halfway in, I'm like, ah, oh, this can't wait for this one to end so I can get on to the, to the next one. But this one, I, I just did not want it to end. I wanted it to keep going. So the rest of this episode, uh, I'm going to cover two different segments. The, the next segment, I'm going to go into a little bit of a, a deviation, but I, I want to talk about my reading of this book because I read this book 20 plus years ago and I read it in high school. And I want to contrast that reading with this most recent reading of it, just finishing it last week. And what changed in me in those 20 years and just kind of discuss that a little bit. And then in segment three, I'll go through the one thing, my one key takeaway from The Great Gatsby.
I first read The Great Gatsby over 20 years ago. It was for high school English class, and I don't remember a single thing from the book. All I remember is that I hated reading the book. I hated being forced to read the book. And it wasn't just The Great Gatsby. We, were, we read Charles Dickens. We read other books. And my two key takeaways about reading in high school is that it created a dislike of reading, and I didn't remember much of anything except for Great Expectations and The Dead Woman. <laughs> that's like, that's all, like, all I remember from literature class. And so the reading of Great Gatsby, the, the rereading of it for this project in 2020, was an experiment on my part of sorts. And it was to see what it was be like what it would be like to read a book for fun that I'd been forced to read in high school and I that in, in one that I didn't enjoy at that time. And as you heard before, I loved it. I loved this book this time. And it just got me thinking more and specifically about this book, but then just more in general about reading in high schoolers. But Maybe this is not the best book for high schoolers. This is a book where you might need a little bit more life under your belt to fully appreciate it. First off, just a lot of the topics are more adult topics. And then with these ideas of nostalgia, you're not going to have a whole lot of nostalgia when you're, when you're 16 years old. Uh, but when you're, when you're in your 30s, 40s, and later on, you're going to start thinking more about the past. And, and that part of the story is going to come out more. Um, and then just other parts of the book, it, it, this is probably a better one for later on in life and, and maybe not one that should be part of a high school curriculum. And I've, I've, I don't say that just about myself. I've read other reviews as, as well where people have said they hated reading this book in high school. But when they, when they got to it later on in life, they really enjoyed it and, it and it had special meaning to where some of these people would read it just multiple times for the rest of their, their lives and they would get different things out of it each time. So I fear that we take the joy out of literature by exposing books like this too early to students. Maybe it would be more practical to, to learn how to read a book than to be forced to read a book like this. Um, so just this book had me thinking a lot about that because, because this was an experiment of, of sorts. So just a few stats on, on the reading uh, of, this, of this book, and then we'll get on to segment three and the one thing. So I've obviously heard about this book my entire life, but I was reminded of it last year. 2019 in book four of my reading list, The Art of X-Ray Reading by Roy Peter Clark. I recorded a podcast episode about that book, and I, I will include that in the show notes. And I strongly encourage you to read chapter one in that book because, it, because it's about the great Gatsby. And he just talks about different themes and ideas and, and things that Fitzgerald is doing in the writing of this book. And it, it, it opened up my mind and it, uh, to, to the different ways to approach this book and then to the different the different things that that Fitzgerald is doing in the in the writing things that would have just completely blown over my head so I, I, I suggest that to you and and after reading the art of x-ray reading I, I added the great Gatsby to my list this year uh, so that's that's who suggested the book in, in the sense of uh, it get, getting added to my list last year it's also been suggested on other episodes of the Tim Ferriss Show podcast, Neil deGrasse Tyson, uh, an author of a book I read this year, 
he recommended it and as as did Daniel Pink on the Tools of Titans podcast. Or uh, sorry, the Tim Ferriss show podcast, but uh part of the Tools of Titans. So this book took me three days to read, and within those three days, it was four hours and 25 minutes. So pretty quick, quick read. I, I took it quite slowly. Uh, my version was 135 pages, so that was about uh, two minutes per page. There's also a movie, a recent movie with Leonardo Di- DiCaprio. I've not watched that yet, but um, I, I may do that because uh, I looked at a, a trailer after reading it, and, and uh, it, looks, it looks like it, it might be kind of interesting. So I may... Uh, I may watch a movie here pretty soon. Now into segment three and the one thing, the one thing that I always keep hope to remember, um, my one key takeaway from the book. And as I've mentioned in other episodes, it's, it's kind of difficult with novels, uh, maybe with nonfiction, maybe a productivity book. It's, it's quite easy to, oh, here's the one thing I'm going to impl- implement in my life right now. And with novels, it, it's usually more something I'm left thinking about after reading the book, something that just won't leave my head. And as I mentioned earlier in this episode, it has to deal with nostalgia. Now, I turned 40 years old this year, and the older I get, the stronger these feelings of nostalgia are that I that I have. I grew up in Minnesota, spent the first 14 years of my life there, and the older I get, just I just have more and more nostalgia for going back to Minnesota. It, is, it isn't even necessarily a particular friend or it's, it's just more everything about Minnesota. I, I just, the, this nostalgia, this desire to, to go, to go back. Uh, I had incredible friendships and, and experiences in both high school and college. And so I often dream about somehow going back to that time, uh, regaining some of those friendships, that, that type of thing. And so I'm very familiar with this, this idea of nostalgia and, and as we all are, but, uh, I it just, the last five years in particular, it's just gotten stronger and stronger. And, and I, I guess that's probably, it just k- keeps getting stronger and stronger. I even think back to my, uh, my grandfather who, who passed away this year, um, a few months ago and just how, as people age their the memories that stick with them are, are the ones from early on. And there's, there's this nostalgia that just follows you throughout your life. So this book my one thing, my, my, my one key takeaway from this book is just, I guess it, it was a good reminder that we're not meant to live in the past. And a certain degree of longing is probably good, but it can also become an obsession like it did for Gatsby. And I've mentioned this in other podcast episodes, I, I know in particular with the, the David Goggins book, where he, he keeps saying, you know, don't, you can't, go back and, and remember or, or point to, you know, I ran this marathon or I had this job or I, I did this. It's what are you doing today? And, and what, what's that looking like going into your, your future? And so not just even thinking nostalgically about the past, but even taking a certain degree of pride in that and, and pointing to it as, and, and almost using that as a crutch instead of just what are you now? Who are you now? And, and without pointing or, or, constantly being living back in, in the past. Uh, I, I even think of uh, you, you just seeing, seeing parents and, and kind of reliving their lives through their, their kids' sports activities or music activities. And it, it's there in every one of us. And it's a fool's errand to try to recapture the past. 
there's an extent to where it will make you unhappy and it will make you try to force things that, that maybe aren't even viable. And so again, that's, that's just one thing that you can pull from the great Gatsby. It's one thing that stuck out to me just because I've been having more and more feelings of, of nostalgia lately. And so, uh, seeing Gatsby deal with these, these, these feelings of nostalgia and and then just seeing things go so tragically wrong. Good, good reminder. And, uh, so I'd love to hear your takeaway from this book because there are so many different ways you can go about reading this book and, and things you can get out of this book. So I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at eric at booksoftitans.com to let me know what you think uh, or, or what you got out of the book. You can also write me a letter. Uh, I love when I get letters. And if you go to booksoftitans.com forward slash contact, my, uh, my post office box address is there and you can write me a letter and tell me what you think of the book as well. Again, I want to to encourage you to to not only read The Great Gatsby, but but to also pick up that book, The Art of X-ray Reading. And just even if you read that first chapter about The Gatsby, it'll, it'll maybe wait till you've read the, the Great Gatsby and then read that. But it, it'll help open up other ideas or layers of of The Great Gatsby. It's one of those books I think that I will continue to read in my life, uh, maybe every five years or something. And just more out of curiosity to see what I'll get out of it next time. And again, with that idea of the, of the layers of this book, uh, constantly being able to dig and get more out of this, out of this one. So to recap, Gatsby has a dream. It's not a very viable dream, but he doesn't know that. And he goes to these extreme lengths to try to recapture the past. Doesn't work out very well for him or for others in his circle. But you see a man dealing with this nostalgia, trying to get Daisy back, even though it's not possible. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you for listening. You can follow Books of Titans on Instagram or Twitter, at Books of Titans. I'll be back in a couple weeks discussing another book from my 2020 reading list. And until then, keep reading, keep learning, and keep listening. I'm out.